gonna I'm gonna turn this down a little bit. There we go. And bear with us if you don't mind. We're still working on how to do the technology. PowerPoint, that's right. There we go. Can I have that? I guess. Thank you. Um, yeah, Alex shared at the beginning there was a couple in a, a family in a car accident last night and um, the daughter, there's a daughter Emma who's in Elisa's class, she's our six-year-old in first grade and so the teacher texted everybody this morning and, and so that's definitely kind of on our minds a little bit this morning that the, the parents were killed and um, I think there's three kids, um, four kids, okay four kids. So. Yeah, it was a blessing to hear they attend LifePoint, and so hopefully, you know, they're, they're followers of Christ, and they're with the Lord now, um, and those kids will have something. But I, I just want to pray one more time. Father, uh, yeah, as our hearts are heavy for, for people we, we barely knew or didn't know, um, our hearts are heavy for kids who, who lost their parents. God, we live in a world that uh, is, is fallen. Um, there's still evil here. It's not, it's not good for a child to lose their parents, but in the midst of it, we, we do know that you're trustworthy. Um, and so we just ask for your blessing on, on that family, that you will bring the people those kids need alongside to comfort them, to love them, and to point them to you. God, I just, I beg that, uh, Holy Spirit, you would make yourself real to those kids, that they would learn to trust you. Um, and it, it'll take time. Um, but God, I just pray that, that they, would get, they would get what they need, and you know what that is. Um, Father, be with us this morning as we look at your word. Uh, we just, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done for us. In your name, amen. Uh, well, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for coming out. Who, who knew what the weather was going to be like? So, but we're here anyway. Who? You knew who? who? Who knew the weather? God. God, okay. Did he tell you what it was going to be? No. He didn't tell me either. <laughs> um, yeah, and we have some new faces. Welcome. This is only our third week, so so we're still trying to figure out, you know, some of uh, first week we we're inside, second week we we're out here. This week, you know, we have a bigger screen and um, it's our living room screen, but so we'll just watch football out here today. Um, so we're still we're still trying to figure it out, but we're not here to put on a great production. <laughs> you know, we're not here um, for any of that. We're, we're here to worship. We're here because of God. We're here because we love Him. Um, and I, I appreciate Callie and, and Doug. Callie's my wife, if you didn't know that, and Doug's my father-in-law. Um, and I, we just appreciate all of you also, you know, the, the gifts that God has brought. So we're excited for what God is doing. Um, this morning, as, as we get in, we're going to be still talking about up a little bit. If you're new with us, one of the things that we've been talking about is we've decided, you know, we're really going to focus on three relationships. We believe, kind of like this stool, you see this stool up here has three legs, like a three-legged stool can't stand without one of the legs, our lives need to be evidenced by three relationships. The first one is up, a relationship with God. And so last week, the first week, we talked about being sons and daughters of the King, that that's what God wants, for us to be His sons and daughters. He's adopted us if we, by faith, have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord, and He's brought us into His family. And so do we enjoy Him? Because He's That's why He bought us. He bought us off the slave market to adopt us so that we could enjoy life with Him. And then last week, we looked in Acts, and we looked at what's our purpose? What does God want for us? And He wants us to seek Him. 
So, you know, halfway through, we had a bunch of kids come in. And they were crawling around looking for a $5 bill that was hidden in here. And Gunner found it. Yeah, your brother, did he share it? No. No, okay. <laughs> but, but the point was, as, as fourth and fifth graders will crawl around and, and, you know, right under your feet to look for a $5 bill, we should be seeking out God. And so, are we seeking God in relationship? That, that was last week. Uh, now, as time goes on, we're also going to talk about in. So, up and then in. That's relationships with other believers. Um, whether you believe it or not, the Bible says our first priority is other believers. Um, and so we need to focus on each other. So up and then in and then out, our relationship with the world. God has called us. He's adopted us not to put us in a house and keep us away from everybody so we don't get dirty by all the sinners in this world. He's put us here to reach out and to be friends with sinners like Christ was. And so we are all really, we're really all about those three relationships. But we're going we're gonna to emphasize the out as well. But we're not getting there yet. And a lot of us are here because God has stirred our hearts to go out. But we're slowing that down. We're backing up a little bit, saying, first up, make sure that's good. Then in, make sure that's good. Then we'll go out. So if you're chomping at the bit to go out, we're going to get there. Um, but this week, we're going to be talking about kingdom. Um, our, our mission statement is to expand the kingdom of God in our lives and the world around us. One of the most influential passages in my life has been what we're looking at today. Um, and it's in Matthew, Matthew 6. Um, and this is the Lord's Prayer. And he talks about the kingdom. And so this is what we're going to go through today. And this has been, if I'm honest, a process in my life where God has taught me about kingdom. When I was in, uh, I was probably 19 years old. I was going to school at Biola in Southern California. I was working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And they jumped us around. I went to different places. And I was working at one. And I had a coworker, And as we got to know each other, uh, he got to be very honest and open. And he was raised in the church. And he talked, I mean, he knew the talk. You know, he knew the Bible and he could talk the talk. But his life was basically finding ways to take advantage of girls. <laughs> and, and young ones, too. You know, one still in high school, even. And this guy was in his early 20s. And, and he said, by, by understanding Song of Solomon, you can understand how to manipulate women. And I'm like, what? Um, and he would also talk about someday he was probably going to be in the ministry. He'd probably be a pastor. And, and there was just something, yeah, there was something that, that didn't line up. And, and I quizzed him on it. I, I prodded him. I said, really? So you think it's okay for you now to live however you want? said, well, yeah, some, you know, God's going to forgive me, and someday I'll turn my life back when I'm done doing my thing, <laughs> and, and I'll probably be in the ministry. And there's just something about that that we know is not right. There's just something unsettling. And I think what it is is a, a misunderstanding of the gospel. Here in, in the United States, and, and I growing up a lot, we preach a gospel of salvation, a gospel of you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you pray a prayer at some point, and now you have your fire insurance and you're going to heaven. How many of you had heard, have heard this said or said it, that at least so-and-so prayed the prayer when they're a kid, even though right now they're, they're doing anything they want, at least we know they're saved because when they were a kid they prayed a prayer, and so they're going to heaven. You know, we use that as, as reassurance sometimes, um, and we use that as kind of an, okay, well, I prayed the prayer, but I, the, the Bible doesn't teach that. Now, we are saved by belief, absolutely, by belief alone. Faith alone saves us, and we can wander. We can act like we used to. It, you know, that can be part of our lives. I believe you can be saved and going to heaven and look like the world. But if that typifies you your entire life, I think there's a real problem, or even an extended period of time. And so I think what we need is an understanding of 
the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, rather than just a gospel of salvation. And so that's what we're looking at. And really, that's, that's the heartbeat of the leadership here, of what brought us together, is we have a heartbeat for the kingdom. So look at Matthew 6, if you would. Um, it's on page 560. If you need a Bible, there's some in the back. Just raise your hand and Wes will hand you one. Anybody need a Bible? No? Um, we also have notes, if you're a note taker. Um, some of us are note takers. If you are a note taker and you don't have one, raise your hand. I'll hand there's a couple extra up here. You need one? Here's, here's three. I'll, I'll go for the... <laughs> oh, you need the Bible. Okay, here, here's a note for you. Why did you take two? Thank you, sir. You took two. Anybody else? Yeah? I see double sometimes. You don't need two. <laughs> there you go, John. So, you know, learn, learn how you will. We, we write up these notes, and if this helps you, use them. If it doesn't, don't. <laughs> you know, learn, learn your way. Um, but here we are. Let me read just the first few verses. Matthew 6, 7 through 13. This is the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' most uh, famous sermons. And he talks about prayer. Matthew 6, page 5, 560 in this Bible, page 560. Matthew 6, starting in verse 7. He says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's as far as we're going today. <laughs> we're just looking at that. This is, this is helpful. I think understanding this prayer and praying it, or praying like it, is life-changing. Because look at how it begins. And this is kind of uh, reiterating what we've talked about the last two weeks. But he says, pray like this in verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We approach God as Father. That was two weeks ago. Abba, Father, Daddy. Just like Jesus in the garden prayed, Abba, Daddy, you know, take this away. Don't make me go to the cross. I, I don't want to do it. He knew the pain he was going to go through, but he said, but not my will, but yours be done. But he approached him as, as Daddy. Knowing he could trust him and knowing he knew what was best, we too approach him as Father. Our Father in heaven. Not, he's not like our earthly dads. No matter how good our earthly dad was, he's way better. So he's our Father in heaven. Um, all power. And then the, the request is this, hallowed be your name. Now, who here uses the word hallowed very often? <laughs> we don't. And, and in our translations, they haven't changed that word. They haven't updated that word. And I, and I think because there's not a lot of parallels to the word hallowed. It, it, it comes from the root of holy, saying holy be your name. But this is more than just a statement. You know, when I was little, we prayed this prayer. We prayed it all the time in church. We would stand up and we would recite it. And I remember doing it. And I'm sure the pastors explained it, but I don't remember that. I remember counting the ceiling tiles during church. Um, but I remember thinking, you know, hallowed be your name was just a statement. And so that's what I, you know, holy are you. You're holy. We all know that. He's holy. He's set apart. He's not like us at all. So hallowed be your name. But really, this is, it's a statement, but it's also a request. It's saying, hallowed be your name. Let your name be set apart. So it's, it's a statement, but a request also. And what is, what is somebody's name? You know, God has many names. His personal name is Yahweh, or, or I am. But the name is someone's reputation, someone's fame. And so he's saying, let hallowed be your name. And so it's a request. Let your name be set apart. Let your name be made great. So if you're a note taker, 
The first one is this. Um, I can approach God as Father because I am a son or daughter of the King. So for you, if you're a note taker, just write daughter if you're a lady or son if you're a man. But you can approach because you are a son or daughter of the King if, if you have by faith trusted your life to Jesus Christ. And then I recognize that God's name, His reputation and character is sacred and set apart. And I ask Him to grow His fame and His reputation. So notice how this prayer starts out. It's not focused on us. The gospel of salvation, typically, why does somebody pray that prayer? For, for themselves. And rightly so, and it's a good place to start. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I prayed the prayer when I was eight or nine years old at camp because I was scared. I was scared of hell. Um, at least our six-year-old, she has prayed the prayer a couple times because she's scared of dying and going to hell. Um, and I think I shared that she knows that God's coming back. Jesus is coming back when she's nine because um, she doesn't want to die. So she asked for that. But, but so there's some, there's some aspect of fear and selfishness that leads us to God and there's nothing wrong with that. But we don't stay there. As we mature, we don't, we don't stay there. It's not all about us. So it begins by recognizing who he is, our relationship as a son or daughter, and then a request. Your kingdom come. And the first request before that is, hallowed be thy name. Now, the point this week is kingdom. We're talking about kingdom. Okay, thy kingdom come. What is that request? When I was a kid, I thought that meant, come back now. I, I was praying, Jesus return and set up your throne. I knew when I was a kid, I understood he was going to come back and he was going to rule physically. And, I, and that sounded awesome to me. I couldn't wait for that. But what is this request? What is a kingdom? So, we're going we're gonna to draw some, some pictures. Okay. Yay! Um, okay, here's a king. What should we name the kingdom? Arendelle. Okay, <laughs> that's a good name. How do, I don't even know how to spell it. Arendelle. Okay, here's the kingdom of Arendelle. What does a kingdom need? A king. A king. Somebody said it. A king. Okay. So, here's the king. He has a mustache. Okay, so a kingdom needs a king. What else does a kingdom need? What do we think of when we think kingdom? Um, people? Okay, citizens. That's very good. Citizens in the kingdom. Okay, here we are. And here's you right over here. This is you, okay? Yeah, you're short. <laughs> All right, what else about a kingdom? Tell me. Resources, okay, that's good. Uh, here's a waterfall. Whee. Okay, yeah, waterfall, and we need coal. That's coal, I promise. Okay, so I'm going to write it in, though. Re resources, that's good, okay. Who's responsible for the resources in a kingdom, ultimately? The king. The king, yes, you're right. The king is responsible for those resources. Okay, what do we know about these people out here? Are they part of the kingdom? No. No. If they're outside the kingdom, they're not part of a kingdom. How would a kingdom put these people into the kingdom? Conquer. Conquer. Yes. Expand their territory. So, the, the king goes, I want to be over here too. And he goes like this. Now we just expanded our kingdom, the kingdom of Arendelle. Just expanded. Now, Hopefully, hopefully it was a peaceful expansion and they wanted to be part of it. Uh, you know, think about the United States. We're not a kingdom. 
But if we were, if we were a kingdom, are there maybe other countries or nations around us who would like to be part of our kingdom? <laughs> there are, definitely. And how would they become part? Say we were a kingdom and we were open, and they came to our king and they said, we want to be part of your kingdom. And the king said, yes, but there would probably be some requirements. What would those be? Have to follow our laws. There you go. You'd have to submit. So, so these guys then, they have to then follow the laws that the king makes. Submit to the king. So in a kingdom, now say there's this part over here, and they're all in rebellion against the king. You know, they're, they're upset. You know, yeah, they have swords. That's a sword. Um, so, so they're in rebellion against the king. Are they part of the kingdom? No. no. Now, would a good king force them to become part of the kingdom? No. No, a good king wouldn't. Is our God a good king? Yes. Does he force people into his kingdom to follow him? He does not. He doesn't. So, there's a little bit of an idea of kingdom. Okay, thinking about kingdom. Um, one other question I forgot to ask. Do the citizens live for the king? Or does the king live for the citizens? He says citizens live for the king. I say otherwise. You say otherwise. Well, let's take a vote. Who says citizens live for the king? I think it depends on the king. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Who says the king lives for the citizens? All right. There's a couple smart people that kept their hands up for both. <laughs> both. Absolutely. Absolutely both. The citizens live for the king, if it's a good king, yes. If it's a good king, the citizens want to see their king thrive. They want to expand his borders because that king is going to take good care of them. A good king is going to live for his citizens. So, again, there's, there's the picture of kingdom, a picture of a good kingdom. Now, is the kingdom a priority in Scripture? Is the question. We, we always hear a gospel of salvation, but when I was growing up, I didn't hear the word kingdom used a lot. I really didn't. I didn't hear the, the gospel of the kingdom. But looking at it, now, here's one thing, sermon within a sermon, side note, we want to always back things up with scripture. If somebody says something of truth, it's always okay to go, time out, prove it. <laughs> and, and the proof is right here. The proof is in the word. And so, we're going to go to a lot of verses today. Don't feel like you need to turn there. A lot will pop up or you can write them down. But I never want to just say something. Derek's opinion means nothing, really. God's opinion means everything. So if I say something and I don't back it up, feel free to go prove it. So I want to prove this. Kingdom is important. The kingdom of the, go or the gospel of the kingdom is more important than the gospel of salvation, which is also important. Um, Jesus, when he came, Mark 1.15, what was his first sermon? Anybody, anybody know? Repent. Repent. Oops, I didn't put this one in. <laughs> yes, re repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That was the first thing Jesus said when he started walking around. Repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In Acts. That's so sad. You know what? That's all right. It happens. We'll fix it back for music so we can all sing. Um, no big deal. We'll just draw stuff. Hey, I love <laughs> you yeah, I'm good, aren't I? Okay. <laughs> um, so, we get into Acts. Jesus came and he taught, by the way, the book of Matthew, all about the kingdom. Um, he taught, he died, he rose again, 
and he hung around for 40 days on earth. And what did he do for 40 days? Acts 1-3, that was up there, take my word for it, or just write it down. But Acts 1-3 says, To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Jesus' last words were teaching them about the kingdom of God. If you go back to Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, it's all about the kingdom. It's all about what it is to be a citizen in God's kingdom. Um, moving on, the last words of Paul. At the end of Acts, Acts 28, 30, and 31, Paul is now in Rome. He's in prison. He thinks he's going to die. Um, we don't think he died at that time. But he's there, and he's teaching people. And it says this in Acts 28, 30, and 31. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching to them the kingdom of God and teaching them concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. Jesus taught about the kingdom. Paul taught about the kingdom. The kingdom, the word kingdom, is we find it 160 times in the New Testament. Half of those are in the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew is all about this, this coming king. The point is, we looked at kingdom. God's plan has always been to be the sovereign ruler of all mankind. That's God's plan. God's plan is to save you and me, yes. That is the gospel of salvation. He is, his plan is to save souls. But His ultimate plan is to expand His reign globally, over every single soul. That's been His plan from the very, very beginning. Um, we're going to erase our kingdom. So we get an idea of kingdom. But now, I, I, want to, I want to prove what I just said. That God's plan has always been to establish His kingdom. At the beginning, here we have Adam and Eve. Where did they live? Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden. Okay. Here's a tree because gardens are cool. Yay. Yep. They lived in the garden. Where was God? In the, in the garden with them. In the garden with them. God was walking in the garden with them. They would walk and talk with God. God was present among His people. Physically present. Awesome. <laughs> so, okay, so he, I'll just put a crown, okay? Here's a crown. He was physically present. What did man do? Sin. Actually, woman sin. Man followed woman. <laughs> this is really important. We need to get this. <laughs> um, yes, men and women sinned. What happened? God kicked them out. God kicked them out. So now, here's Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, no tree, no garden, <laughs> okay? You know, something happened. They're not in the garden anymore. Are they present with God anymore? Mm -mm. They're, they're not, really. The presence of God was, was in the garden, and the presence was in perfect men and women. When we sinned, we became our own king, queen. We, we desired to, so they were cast out. But God's plan has always been, and it starts right at the beginning, God's plan has always been to reestablish that. That's one of the things we're going to be about here at Common Ground is reconciliation. God is about reconciliation, bringing people back to Him, back to His kingdom. So, time goes on. We're going to fat, go forward to Moses now. What did Moses do? Somebody other than here. <laughs> what did Moses do? Anyone? Lisa, what did Moses do? He split the Red Sea. Yes, yes. Moses led... God's people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And He led them through the wilderness. Was God with them? 
Yes. Yes. How do you know? Because the Bible says so. Because the Bible says so. <laughs> was God physically present with His people through the wilderness? He was a pillar of fire by... There you go. A, yes. He showed Himself as a cloud in, in the day and fire... Whoa. Yeah, that's fire. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a crown. Man. Okay. So, so he's, He was trying to reestablish His rule as king beginning with the Jews. And He showed His presence with them. Now, of course, they continually rejected him. That's the story of mankind. Move forward, okay? Um, they, they move in. Moses dies. They come into the promised land. Um, we'll just say this. Pr promised land. Okay, so they're, they're in the promised land. When Moses was in the wilderness, they built something to represent God's presence among them, the Ark of the Covenant. Yes, it was in Indiana Jones. Um, so, thank you. <laughs> By the way, this is being recorded. <laughs> um, so the Ark of the Covenant was a, a, a representation of God's presence with His people and, and so still it would be in a tent there would be a cloud over it or a, a fire over it symbolizing God's presence now time goes on and there's the, the time of the judges was there a king in Israel was there a physical king in Israel no. there was not why not God was the king God was supposed to be the king. Um, hold on. Because the question is prove it. Prove it. There you go. Um, first, say, or, uh, first Judges. Judges 17.6. This is the time of the judges. No king. It says this, In those days there was no king in Israel... Every man did what was right in his own eyes. The time of the judges, God was there. The temple wasn't built yet, but there was a tent of meeting. There was the Ark of the Covenant. God was supposed to be present. They were supposed to come to Him as their king, as their ruler. But there was no king, and they did whatever they wanted. They were rejecting God as king. Time goes on. The people request a king. They want to be like the nations around them. They want a king. So they go to the prophet Samuel and they say, find us a king. Because Samuel was kind of running the show, God through Samuel, ideally. But the people were doing whatever they want. So they said, give us a king. We want to be like everybody else. 1 Samuel 8, 7. If this isn't in your notes, you can write it, write it down, look it up later. But it says, And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all they have said to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. The people wanted a king because they wanted what everybody else had. They didn't want God to be their king. And that's what God said. Give them what they want. Give them what they want. They're not rejecting you, Samuel. You know, you can imagine the rejection he might feel. They're like, we don't want you. We want somebody else. He said, they're rejecting me from being king. Time goes on. God gives them a good king, King David. King David wanted to build a temple. He said, no, your son will. Solomon built a temple for the Lord. When they brought the ark in, again, it was God's symbol. God was still trying to use Israel as his presence on this earth. He was still trying to be king of Israel. When the, uh, when the ark was brought into the temple and they first began using it, a cloud filled the temple. Um, this is in... I didn't write it down. I'm not sure where that is. I forgot to write that one down. But when, when they went in... Where, anybody know where that is? Where is it? Probably. And First Chronicles. Yeah, it's several places. But they go in, a cloud fills the temple so much that the people can't work in there. 
They can't do anything. God is showing them physically, I'm in your midst. Now time goes on, they continue to reject God as king. And as they do that, eventually, they're, they're serving other gods, they bring other idols into the temple, and the, the time comes where God leaves. And this is in Ezekiel. Ezekiel um, chapter 10, Ezekiel the prophet sees this in a vision. He's looking at the temple, he's looking at all this going on, and he watches the glory of the Lord depart. And it was heartbreaking. Because the glory of God was there. God's intent was to establish His kingdom and His reign over the entire earth through Israel. You see this beginning in, in Genesis. Uh, Genesis 12.3, when God calls Abraham, He says, You will be a blessing to all nations. As time goes on, His plan was that all the nations would come through Israel. So, um, another picture. This was God's plan. God to Israel... to the rest of the nations of the world. Okay, here, here's, and so this would be us. God's plan was to rule as king in Israel and that the rest of the world would come to Israel to worship the God. So, so God would rule everybody through that. That was his plan. I mean, was God thwarted? God knew what he was going to do. <laughs> he, he knew it. But that was his plan. Oh, no notes. But in your notes, it says, um, since the beginning of time, God has desired to rule all mankind as their loving king. God's plan is and always has been to reestablish his kingdom. So if we continue on here, you know, we can have the temple. Here's the temple. The glory of the Lord comes in. You know, he's supposed to rule. A little bit later, the glory of the Lord departs. You know, the king goes. And time goes on until, until, remember, he made a promise to David that there would be a, a descendant of David that would rule forever, this kingdom. And so Israel was looking forward to that day. Um, they really got rid of their idolatrous ways after the, the exile. The Israelites were, were cast out, they, they came back, and they did, it became more religion for them then. It was, you know, a bunch of duties that they would do. But they were waiting for the Messiah to come. They were waiting for Jesus. They didn't know they were waiting for Jesus, but they were waiting for the Messiah to come who would set up the kingdom and rule perfectly. And so they were looking forward to that, but they thought it would be a physical kingdom. That's what they were looking forward to. Jesus comes, Mark 1.15, he says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So for them, they're thinking, the king has come. The word gospel, what's that word mean? Good news. Good news. But that word was used specifically of the good news of a coming king. Somebody would be sent ahead to give the gospel. They would come in and say, the king's coming. So in the time of David, you know, here's the gospel. The king is on his way. Prepare. Here he comes. That's what the word gospel meant. The good news of a coming king. They would have understood that when Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, repent and believe in the gospel. They're going, the king is coming. The king is coming, which means he's going to establish his perfect rule here on earth. That's what they were looking for. Um... The difference was, the difference was, they were looking for, for this type of kingdom. You know, where, well, after they built the temple, after they had a king, they were looking for that type of kingdom. But this kingdom began differently. Began differently. Um, in Philippians 4.20, Paul writes that we are citizens of the kingdom. But in Luke, sorry, my, my notes are all mixed up here. Um, but in Luke... When Jesus was going around, he said, uh, the kingdom of God is in your midst. 
The kingdom of God is in your midst. Maybe you, you've heard that. Um, they were looking for the kingdom to be all around them. But he said, no, the kingdom of God is, is in your midst. The old King James says the kingdom of God is within you. And that word in your midst is actually like the inside of a cup. You see it one other time in scripture and it talks about, you know, the inside of the cup should be clean. So he's talking about inside us as, as vessels. The kingdom of God will be within you. So God is continuing to try and establish his kingdom, which is his perfect rule, but no longer is it this way with a king and a rule and a temple. It's now from within people who follow him. Okay, this is like drinking through a fire hose, I know. <laughs> I'm going through a lot of history. Um, but th this has been God's plan, and he's doing it in our midst. Sorry, here it is. Um, I did my notes differently, and so they're all mixed up. But Luke 17, 20 through 21. Let me read this. It says, Now having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, that's what they wanted to know, he answered them and he said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. They wanted it physical. When Jesus died and rose again, and he met with his disciples, what did they ask him? Do you remember? They said, is it now you're going to set up your kingdom? That's what they wanted. They said, we're here. Let's go. Let's take the city. <laughs> Let's rule. He said, no, we're starting this differently. Because he wants control of hearts. What did we say? A good king doesn't conquer territory, you know, in a violent way just to get it. Ours is a good king. He wants to conquer territory by people surrendering to him. That's what he's about. That's why our, our mission statement here is to expand the kingdom of God in our lives and the world around us. It begins in our lives. Go back to this prayer, okay? Um, back in Matthew 6, if you're still there. Matthew 6, verse 10. It says, Your kingdom come. This is how we're supposed to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a request for, I believe, Jesus to come and rule, but it's also a request right now. Let your kingdom come, meaning let your reign expand. And you see that in the next line there, because he says, let your will be done. That's what happens in a kingdom. The king's will is done. So, in a kingdom, us as Christians, we want God's will to be done. That's why the gospel of salvation is a selfish gospel. If you leave it at that, the gospel of I just come and I get saved, God's plan has been to expand His name around and for His, His influence to grow in our lives. Jesus said this, He said, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is Matthew 11, 28-30. I quote it a lot, so you might want to write that down. Matthew 11, 28-30. He said, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is the type of king that we have. We're about life change, life improvement. We want our lives to improve, don't we? We want more peace and more joy. That comes from Jesus gaining reign in our lives. The more and more we surrender, and there's something about us, isn't there, where there's pieces of us that we want to hold on to. <laughs> There's pieces of us we want to stay king. You know, I built a, a throne a while back when we were teaching through James. You know, and we'd get on the throne, but sometimes we'll, you know, get off and let God be on the throne, let Jesus be on the throne. But then we want to get back on the throne. So there's pieces of our lives that we hold on to and we want to be king of. That's why our goal here is to go to the Word, to spend time together, and that Jesus would gain more and more territory in our hearts by us surrendering 
That's the only way he's going to gain that territory, by us surrendering. And as we do, we will experience this peace, this joy, this purpose that, that Jesus promised. And then as we do, we will be more loving, we will be more forgiving, and then the kingdom can expand to the world around us. But it begins in our hearts. This is in your notes there. But you know, what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is wherever God is at work. That's part of His kingdom. Wherever God is at work... And citizens, or people, recognize and submit to the king's authority. That's where the kingdom of God is. Guess what? The kingdom of God is right here. Because some of us, I hope all of us, are submitted to the king. We are citizens of heaven, and we live to carry out his will. That's where the kingdom is. And as that expands, life changes our lives and other lives. As people watch us live in the kingdom, not a selfish salvation gospel. It's all about me. And so I come to church, you know, because I like the music, or I like the pastor, or, you know, it's, it's not just about me, although those things are important. You know, it's important to sing and to worship. It's important to, to get fed. But how often do you hear people say that? Well, I go here, I don't go there because there I didn't get fed, or I didn't like the music, or whatever. Instead of going, I went here because I want God to use me here to expand His kingdom. There's a lot of good churches around. There are. And they're doing good things, and I think God puts different people in different ones to expand His kingdom. But when people are going there just for what they want to get out of it, I think that stunts the growth of the kingdom. And so this is our point. This is our mission, to expand the kingdom of God in our lives and the world around us. The difference between the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of salvation is the gospel of salvation is about me. I still want to do things my way, but I want Jesus. I want to be saved. The gospel of the kingdom is I surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord. And that's life change. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to start talking about life change. Because there's things about us that we want to change, isn't there? There's, there's things we want to be more holy. We want more peace in our life. We, we want more peace in our homes. We want to treat our wives better. We want to treat our husbands better. We want to treat our kids better. We want our kids to be more submissive. <laughs> but all of that comes from the expansion of God's kingdom within our hearts. And within the hearts of our kids. That's what we're about. That's life change as we surrender. Do we get the gospel of the kingdom? Do we get that God has wanted to rule? Now here's the difference. Here's the shift for, for us. My question for you first is, is God king of your life? Is Jesus king? Jesus is king when you have surrendered your life to Him. Not just I believe some things about God and I'm going to do whatever I want, but have you surrendered? Have you got on your knees, laid down your weapons, and say, my life is your life? If you have not done that, we can do that today. Afterwards, come up and see me. We'll pray. You can, you can talk to many others here. Come see Kara or Dan or David or Laura up here or Lou or Mark or anybody up here. <laughs> but give your life to Christ. If you do that, you will enter the kingdom and things can start to change. If you've done that, if you've surrendered your life but you're not seeing the change. You, you know what I mean? You're like Things should, should be changing. It does take time. But we need to continuously surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord. If we do that individually and as a group, here's what's going to happen. We're not going to be about common ground. That's the name of this church. We're not going to be about common ground. We're not going to be excited about how great we are and, you know, look at our cool tent. And, you know, we won't be doing that. We won't be going around telling people how great we are. We're going to be going around telling people how great God is. When we're focused on the kingdom, we're going to be excited when all the other churches grow. Even if ours isn't. <laughs> That's what we're going to be excited about. We're going to be excited about stories of life change. Even if they don't happen here. 
Does that make sense? Because it's not about us. And churches have a lifespan. They live and they die. You know, how many churches from the New Testament are still there? All those that Paul wrote to. You know, most you, you can't go and go, this is the one descendant from that. Churches have a lifespan. That's okay. So we don't want to hold on too tightly to, to our organization, our thing. It's about the kingdom, which means it's going to go global. I mean, that's our vision. Our dream is, is global, that we're going to be impacting, you know, the Czech Republic. You know, and Thailand. Bob and Chris were in Thailand for a few weeks. But that's our goal. It's, it's, it's here, but it begins in our hearts. Then it goes to our homes then our church, then our community, then our country, then the world. And it's a hopeful vision because someday it's going to be successful. You know, if I drew the last thing on here, Jesus is coming back. The King is coming back. And when He does, He's going to rule perfectly. He's going to rule perfectly. I've given you a lot, and I, and I wrestled with this. I did. I wrestled with making this simpler. Um, and I, I didn't sleep a lot last night. I woke up just kind of thinking. When I got up, I kind of redid some of this. Um, and I know it's a lot, but guess what? We're going to be talking about the kingdom a lot as time goes on. A lot, a lot, a lot. So if you get anything out of this today, I want you to get this. God is about expanding His kingdom on this earth, and it begins in, in me. It begins in me. Um, we're going to sing two more songs. We're going to sing two more songs, and then I want to spend some time in, in corporate prayer. Um, because Jesus is our King, so we're going to sing these two songs. The second song um, is a new song. And it's a song about the kingdom. And so, if you don't know it, and you want to just listen, that's okay. You have permission not to sing. But that second song, uh, worship, okay? Uh, you know, this is one of the things when the voices are good, so be good. Um, <laughs> when the voices are good, no. When the words are good, actually. I enjoy just closing my eyes and listening to the words. And so, if, if you don't want to sing, um, yeah, we're not going to have the words. <laughs> Sorry. Next week, we'll do that better. It's piece at a time. Um, so you won't have the words. <laughs> but, but So maybe, maybe that's God's plan. He wants us just to listen. Um, the first song, hopefully you'll know and we can all sing together. Um, and then after that second song, we're just going to pray together. I'll get back up and I'll lead us in prayer. Um, but we want our prayer to be about the expansion of the kingdom. What God is doing here, what God is doing in our homes and, and elsewhere. Uh, so let's, let's worship together. This first one is Refiner's Fire. So hopefully it's an older song. Do you know it?